You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Tomb Raider. What's your name? Laura. Surname? Croft. Laura, your father's gone. You can pick up where he left off. I see so much of him in you. Brilliant. Hello, Sprout. If you're listening to this, then I must be dead. I found something, a tomb called the Mother of Death. If Trinity succeeds, our world is in danger. Promise me you will stop them. I promise. I think I know where my dad went. That's right in the middle of the Devil's Sea. It will be an adventure. Death is not an adventure. shouldn't have come here. But I'm glad that you did. What do you know about my father? Now I see the likeness to recklessness. Close the tomb once and for all. The fate of humanity is now in your hands. be too careful these days the world has gone bloody mad i'll take two all right everybody you were just listening to the trailer for tomb raider and the story is as follows laura croft is the fiercely independent daughter of an eccentric adventurer who vanished years earlier hoping to solve the mystery of her father's disappearance croft embarks on a perilous journey to his last known destination a fabled tomb on a mythical island that might be somewhere off the coast of japan the stakes couldn't be any higher as laura must rely on her sharp mind blind faith and stubborn spirit to venture into the unknown the film is starring alicia vikander Dominic West, Walton Goggins, Daniel Wu, and Kristen Scott Thomas. It is directed by Roar Afog and written by Geneva Robertson Dorrit and Alistair Siddons. Joining me for this review, I have Dan Howitt. Hello. And for first time ever on a podcast film review, one of our newest members at Next Best Picture, JC Aldridge, everyone. Howdy. All right. So, Tomb Raider, not starring Angelina Jolie. <laughs> I'm really curious to know what you guys think about this one, but first question I will ask of JC, have you played the new video games which this movie was based on uh, before seeing Tomb Raider? No, I didn't even realize that there were new ones out. But you know what? I actually, I was looking up images and I did see some Tomb Raider, like Lara with a bow and arrow. And I was confused because I don't remember um, animated Lara with anything other than her guns in the original one. So I guess that would make sense. But no, I haven't played them. Yeah. Uh, Dan? Yes, I have. I, did, I didn't play the old ones when I was a kid, but I played the new ones, the Tomb Raider and Rise of the Tomb Raider. Um, and they're they're pretty good. They're not amazing, but they're solid games. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. There's um, 
more of a platformy aspect to it. A lot of running and jumping and hanging from things. Yep. And one thing that I thought was like very apparent about this new version of Tomb Raider is how well those animations within the game um, are translated to the movie version in terms of some of the stunts. Oh yeah. I mean, there was a certain point where even I started wondering how much of this is Alicia Vikander on green screen, you know, flailing her body around and how much of it is CGI mm-hmm. and, Judging by the kind of performance and shape Alicia Vikander got in to play this role, my guess is she did a ton of work on this, Um, you know, probably at the cost of, you know, doing damage to herself, maybe even. There were times where I was like, man, she's definitely doing a lot of her own stunts here, it seemed like. Yeah, definitely. I mean, she definitely seemed like she was physically imposing in the role. She really felt strong enough to be doing everything that she was doing. Mm -hmm. I was like, God damn, those shoulder blades. My (laughs) lord. Yeah. And that ab work, I think that was um, that was really evident from even just the first few minutes of the movie. I mean, even though she lost that fight, it was very apparent that she had some serious physical strength on her side. Yeah, she looks like she could whoop anybody's ass. And there were oh, times yeah. in this movie where she kicked some serious ass. Um, but my favorite, one of my favorite aspects about this movie, and we can uh, maybe jump off from this point here, is. I love how much more grounded this film feels compared to mm-hmm. the 2001 version with Angelina Jolie in the sequel thereafter because there are times where she is a badass and she is, you know, running and jumping and fighting and so on and so forth. But there are also times, too, where she gets hurt and it's it's a very... Um, committed performance in terms of the anguish that she goes through on this journey. Oh, I agree 100%. I think her performance as Lara really sold, really sold most of the film for me. I mean, just that, you know, her first um, kill in the movie takes so much anguish and pain in her. I mean, just she's not afraid of, of, um, showcasing fear through like tears. I mean, she squeals and like her falls and any sort of, she's not enjoying having to inflict this pain on other people, which I feel like is a very real, um, attitude that someone that an average person would have when put in these situations. I appreciated that sort of reality. I liked that a lot. Yeah, that's absolutely right. She is perfectly cast in this movie, and that elevates so much of the film. I mean, we're going to talk about problems that this movie has, but uh, there's no question. I don't think that that Alicia Vikander is the perfect person to play Lara Croft. And since she's pretty much uh, on screen the whole time, it just really elevates the film and and makes it a lot more believable and, and grounded. Yeah, she, you know, the film starts off with her establishing that she's like, you know, doing kickboxing at a gym. So the movie very wisely establishes early on that she can handle herself and that she's got some training. And, you know, so later on when she's getting into these scenes where she has to uh, physically fight other men, it's not something that's like coming out of nowhere where it's like, mm-hmm. how is she how is she such a bad right. uh, The film establishes that early on, which is smart. Um, she has no money even though she is the heir to her father's company and her father's fortune. And one thing that was a little unclear to me, I, I and, and maybe maybe it isn't so unclear. Uh, so her father is presumed dead. He's been missing for a number of years. 
And the reason why she won't take the money is because she refuses to acknowledge that he's dead. Is that is that what's going on here? Right? I got this right. Yeah, like she can't yeah. her she can't receive her inheritance, I think is what it is, uh, without her father actually being declared dead, because then she can't inherit mm. anything. So I think that's all it is, but it, it's kinda inexplicable as to why she's actually poor. Because she cannot have the inheritance and still be I mean, she's still comes from a rich family so that was a little unclear yeah and and so it's interesting because that's like the first example in the movie where i started thinking to myself the storytelling the screenplay how the events are unfolding i mean when you take a step back and you look at tomb raider it's a very basic story and it's one that Mm -hmm. we've actually seen played out throughout other movies you know even in modern day times, uh, there's familiar tropes involved, but yet there was still like an, uh, a lack of clarity in the storytelling that for me, I was like, why is this like more ambiguous than it needs to be and a little bit more difficult to follow? I, I guess the word I'm looking for is it was unengaging maybe. Mm, yeah, I can, I can see. I mean, I, I really loved the relationship between her and her father throughout like the little flashback scenes, but it did seem sometimes uh, a little bit unnecessary. It it felt almost like they were trying to make it even more of an emotional sort of film than it needed to be as though it's like, even though it's just supposed to be an, an action adventure movie. And, but I think sometimes they were kind of overcompensating for the fact that they had Alicia Vikander. So then they felt like they needed to make it some sort of compelling and, you know, rot with history when it wasn't necessary. Yeah. And I think anytime that they're trying to uh, go deep into this story, that's that's when it's the weakest because the writing is is pretty rough. Um, it's not some of the it's not the worst we've seen, but it's just it's just bland, very bland. And I think unengaging is a is a good word for the story. Um, anytime that they were developing the relationship with the dad, I was just uninterested. Um, I, I was more interested in the journey to find her dad. You know, the her mm-hmm. looking through the research and things like that. But even even when they were giving us the clues and we were hearing this, they had the terrible montage as they're going off on a ship where things are fading in and out. It was just really unimpressive. And the clues never really helped the audience in any way. All they did was show us that Laura is reading clues, but we didn't the audience didn't need to know what she was reading. It didn't enlighten us in any way. So. It was just it was just very bland, but it made for uh, great segues between action sequences, which are easily the best part of this movie. Yeah, the first opening uh, action sequence actually maybe might be my favorite. I'm not sure, but it's the one where um, uh, she's, she's the fox hunt on the bikes. That mm-hmm. was fantastic. I loved that. You know, I really got a kick out of that scene, and I, I thought it was a lot of fun to see um, this woman outpace all of these men that are trying to you know chase her down the street and she's outsmarting them and you know they're crashing and you know with their bikes and what have you and i i found that to be very exhilarating and then we go to the next sequence uh which is the scene where she's on the docks mm-hmm. and i actually felt like that sequence paled in comparison to the opening one and wasn't as exciting or as entertaining I'm not exactly entirely sure why, but then there are other moments scattered throughout the film in terms of, you know, uh, big set pieces like the shipwreck and um, 
the scene where she's uh, on the, was it a plane? And it's yeah. like breaking apart, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it just seemed to come and go for me in terms of, oh, this is really exciting. And then it was like, oh, this is very uninteresting and boring. I can totally see the CGI at play here. I, my illusion is broke. That's Oh, yeah. Oh, the CGI was one of my biggest issues with this yeah. movie. Like that jump it, when the boat was crashing and she's when they're getting to the island and and the boat is is getting torn away with the with the crashing waves it just that's an olympic level jump oh like, yeah a gold medal for that she, jump. <laughs> she looks like like a gi joe rag doll being thrown through the air at some points and i just i just can't get behind it it just seems like her hair doesn't it just it yeah the cgi i was not impressed with and i just feel like especially in 2018 and especially with films like rise of the planet of the apes, the CGI should not be an issue. So I I was, mm -hmm. I can't argue with you guys, but uh, even amidst the crappy CGI, crappy visual effects, and it was just, it was just kind of a mess. It was still, a lot of those scenes were really thrilling still to me. I don't know if you guys felt that same way. Like even the shipwreck, it looked terrible, but the um, intensity was still there for me that I, I actually kind of liked the shipwreck uh, for what it accomplished. Did you guys like that at all or was it just a mess? Uh, to me, my favorite is the the opening bike chase scene, actually. Yeah. I, I think that's the most well-executed action sequence of the whole film because everything else was either torn apart for me by um, impossible physicality. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Physics of the real world don't apply. Um, <laughs> and CGI is just all over the place. Uh, but that first opening sequence, minimal CGI, clear stunt work, exciting choreography, editing, the music. Um, and oh, man, can, can, can I just say from a segue standpoint, uh, the soundtrack in this movie is pretty awful at times. Not maybe the music, but like there were times where they chose to use um, actual um, recorded tracks yeah from like you know artists and stuff and i just thought that it just didn't fit the mood and what we were watching like at all yeah and then and then of course we get to um the set piece where she actually goes in the tomb itself and while all that is a lot of fun because you start getting flashbacks to things like indiana jones and you know it's interesting and it's horrifying or it's supposed to be horrifying but there's like a lot of tension the, only, the thing that hurt me the most with all the stuff in the tomb was how dark and murky the cinematography was. And I couldn't, like, make out what was happening because of how poorly lit some of those scenes were at times. You know what I mean? Really? I didn't have that experience. Uh, I, I I didn't find it too dark. Uh, I thought it was, you know, dark enough that it was still tense and, you know, interesting. Maybe it was the way it was projected in my theater. Maybe that's the way, you know what I mean? Yeah, could be. Maybe maybe the digital projection had the brightness turned down a <laughs> smidge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but what do you guys think of like you know when when they actually get to the part of the movie where she's tomb raiding? Uh, yeah, like you said, we've seen this a bunch of times before, but it was still thrilling for me. I thought some of the the um, it really felt like you were playing the game, which was uh, and that's not a, an insult in any way. Like I think the way that they did the puzzles. And the way that they did, you know, the, the traps in the tomb were really well executed to where it felt like, mm-hmm. you know, for those of us who have played the game, you know, you get the callback, you get the references, uh, but it still works as a movie device. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought the tomb sequence as before they get to the 
the the act the tomb itself. I thought that kind of the, as they're making their way there was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. I um, I I just loved Vikander's sort of facial expressions and just general reactions to every obstacle she came in contact with. I just really felt like she made it see I was watching the movie and I was like oh maybe I could be a tomb raider (laughs) which is probably not a good thing to be thinking but it just she made those scenes seem like they could actually happen versus with the 2001 version I was like all right well this is clearly like a video game movie it's not you know, this is never, I'm not going to wear shorts and guns strapped to my thighs, but she's <laughs> attacking this, um, what was the, there's like a scene where the floor is falling apart and, you yeah. know, just even that scene, I felt, I was like, okay, I could go to a forbidden island somewhere and the floor could fall underneath my feet. Like I just, it, I loved those little scenes and all of the, the spike and the realization that it was that the whole tomb was supposed to keep people out. I just felt like that was when the puzzle really started to get interesting for me. And, and when what was inside the tomb, I think really started to become more important versus an earlier on in the film. Uh, what you guys think of without getting into spoilers? Um, so tread lightly. What you guys think of a reveal that takes place before the third act and then the culmination of that reveal towards the climax of the film? If you need me to be more specific, uh, I can be, but I think yes, you guys know what I'm because I'm to. I don't. Okay. I'm thinking of two right now, so like <laughs> Alicia Vikander uh finds somebody. Oh ah, the yeah. End of the film. Yes. So that the way in which that happens is so clunky it was ridiculous she's off in the woods by herself you know attacks somebody else and then all of a sudden she just turns shrapnel ar- on her side <laughs> yeah <laughs> she just turns around and then you know this thing just appears you know and so it's just it's just really stupid i thought it, i thought she was imagining it and i really hoped that she was because it was so ridiculous that i thought she was just hallucinating hey dan usually when i see you on this island it's you who disappears <laughs> <laughs> all right fair enough uh yeah i'm with you dan on that i didn't like that but i will say y'all i cried you know oh, really i cried i did i'm not i have no shame in my game you know it's like when, when they started blowing hunger games kisses at each other jc just lost it <laughs> <laughs> that was it for me that was it i was just thinking of that safe and sound song that taylor swift sang and i was just gone for you know <laughs> wow uh, yeah I, I i too found it to be a little clunky even though um the emotion of it all kind of came full circle and um dare i say it did have a little bit of resonance by the end and i thought it was earned just barely though like just barely um but it it, it did what it set out to do and it gave the movie a bit of emotional heft i didn't hate it i also didn't love it um, what I did enjoy though, is I did enjoy what a great opposition Walter Goggins was, uh, as the antagonist of this movie. I, my only gripe with him in this was, I wish that he was a little bit more developed 
because I thought that how he was playing it was interesting enough, but I felt at the end of the day, he was just way too one-dimensional. Thank you. Yeah, I I was about to say I disagree because I really didn't like Walter Goggins in this role, but I think you're right. I don't think it was necessarily his fault as much as the fact that he wasn't given any time to develop his motives and his sort of true reason. I mean, I get that he wanted to get back to his family, but it felt very disingenuous because he wasn't given enough time to really show us how badly he wanted his family and why it was so important to get back to it. So it just, he didn't feel um, led by anything more than just something superficial, which was a bummer to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of that is, um, it felt like cheap buildup to a sequel, you know, where it, because the develop the, the character development comes out of, he's being threatened by whatever Trinity is. And so we don't see the mysterious person on the phone because they don't want to re- reveal it now. And so, yeah, I just, um, I, I loved his performance and I think his performance was good enough that it didn't bother me while I was watching the film. It was only while I, after I left and kind of thought about it a little more that his character actually bothered me. But, um, within the film, I thought he was, he was, uh, creepy and odd in all the right ways um so i think it works for the most part yeah i just think the screenplay just didn't do him enough favors in the end and Mm -hmm. oh my god dan can we please and jc can we can we please talk about the setup for the sequel at the end of this movie and how much that bothered the hell out of me i don't know if it bothered you guys but i hate it when movies intentionally do that We've got more jobs to do. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) gosh. Yeah, it's cheap. Um, I did. I did think that little I thought it was so funny that when she goes to get her two, you know, um, guns, I forget what they're called, but she sees them in the like reflection of a mirror like or the window and she's like oh guns like yeah (laughs) so it's such a strange segue into that i mean i liked that that was where she found them in the same place you know from the beginning of the movie but yeah i it's not even so much even all of that but it's also the stuff with trinity with chris and scott thomas with um the you know, the fact that just this whole mystery of the movie kind of goes unsolved, you know, this big this big conspiracy. It's just like, I don't know. I, I, I like I like it like when, for example, I love the first Pirates of the Caribbean film because it ends and there is no um, expectation of a sequel. I love the first Matrix film because it ends and there's no expectation that there will be another one. They, they work on their own as individual films. And I just wish that this movie had ended on the right high note and not left me hanging because here's the problem. What if you're like me and you're kind of meh on this whole movie and you don't really care if there's a sequel or not? You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally agree. And and part of the reason that's just that just is one example of the bad writing and how that they didn't realize what the audience was going to care about. Um, like I said earlier, the time that they invested in telling the audience all these clues and all this backstory of what's actually going to be in the tomb when it when it just doesn't matter at all um, because all we really care about is the the action and the exploration and maybe a little bit of the relationship with her dad um, the actual 
uh, expedition and everything going on with Trinity and whatever that is. It just none of that really grabbed us at all. So they'd spent less time developing this unimportant stuff and more time with, uh, you know, more emotion with the dad and things like that. It would have been a lot better. Yeah. Yeah, it did feel like a lot of the writing was unnecessarily built to create the sequel. Like, I just, I don't even, I mean, bringing up Trinity in the way that they did in this film seems like its its sole goal was to set up for a sequel. Because otherwise, there was really no purpose in having Trinity in this movie at all. Yeah. All right. Well, let's head over to Final Thoughts. Great out of 10, Oscar potential. Uh, let's start off with you, JC. What do you have for us? Uh, well, I I love Vikander in this role. I think that she is just, she's just incredible. I mean, she really just can't do any wrong. Like, she's just, she looks great with the abs. <laughs> the one physical statement <laughs> I'll say. <laughs> I think it's great. <laughs> and, um... And she really gives heart to this to this film, but it's supposed to be an action adventure film. And as an action adventure film, I feel like it's just very messy in a lot of the really important ways. So I I'm gonna go with a six out of ten with like a major um, there's a major outlier leaning in Vikander's side for that six out of ten. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, do you foresee? Any Oscar potential for a video game adaptation. <laughs> Best picture. <laughs> Alicia Vikander's uh, abs. Best supporting actress. Yes. That's, there we go. End result. Yeah, no. <laughs> Shocking. All right, Dan. Well, so before the final thoughts, um, we're not talking spoilers, but towards the end, was there a, a point where you were super mad. I'm trying to speak as can- as uh, carefully as possible. Okay. Uh, during the climactic fight scene, uh, was there a moment that you guys just found extremely stupid uh, in regards to the latter? Um, you messed with the wrong family. No, just she could have oh, okay. she could have escaped that the whole fight scene like ten times. Oh, and it oh, just oh, made oh, me oh, so yeah. angry that I just mm-hmm. had to bring it up. Yeah, Sorry. anyway. I- I, I, I the thing I hated about that so much was in order this goes back again to physics and how <laughs> pe- normal people just can't do this. I swear to God, she ran faster in this movie than I've ever seen Tom Cruise run in any movie. In Mission Impossible, any that, uh, yes. <laughs> she there's a sequence where she is running like sprinting uh, through the tomb, and I was just like, wow. So this is how they're gonna. Okay, and I'm like, I, I've never seen anybody with that level of stamina. And it just once again, it was like, all right, this is definitely video game level um, theatrics. You know yes. what I mean? Yeah. So. Once again, okay. abs supporting role. So. <laughs> all right. So my final thoughts, um, I, I really alternated between a five and a six um, because we talked a lot about bad writing and there were there were definitely some dumb moments and things I didn't care about and bad CGI and all of that. I can't argue with any of that. 
Uh, I'll tell you, when I left the theater, I, I was satisfied for the most part. Um, I thought the action sequences were good. I actually loved the plane sequence. I loved, uh, we talked about the bike sequence. The action scenes were good enough that I was really entertained. Um, so even though there's crappy writing, I still overall enjoyed it. So I'll settle on a five because there's definitely a lot of negatives. Um, but you can do a lot worse than this movie. So it's a five out of ten. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's interesting. We have a six, we have a five. I'm going to be at a four on this one. (laughs) And part of the reason for that is just because the writing, I mean, really, really was pretty detrimental to this whole experience for me. Uh, with that said, compared to other video game adaptations I have seen before, uh, this is actually pretty decent and is not a great movie, but it's, it's okay. It's good. And if anything, because there is going to be a sequel, clearly, unless if this movie completely flops, which I yeah. haven't taken a look at the uh, numbers yet, but there is only um, a path for this sequel that they've set up to go up, as far as I'm concerned. So there is room for improvement if they brought in um, another director, maybe a different screenwriting duo, whatever the case might be. Um, I do believe that Alicia Vikander is such perfect casting for Laura Croft. And she is by far the best part of the movie, 1,000%, that they can really, really, really elevate uh, the sequel to surpass this. I actually do prefer this more to the Angelina Jolie version uh, because even though my 12-year-old, 11, however old I was, self, when I saw that movie, dug it then. I rewatched it, and it's nothing... (laughs) It is nowhere near as good as it was uh, when I was younger. It is a pretty uh, dreadfully painful movie to sit through. Um, But um, this actually was a bit better for me because of how much more grounded I felt it was within the, you know, realm of reality. Um, However, it's when the movie clashes where it becomes ungrounded. And like I said, you have improbable physics, um, really awkward, imbalanced CGI. A lot of it made me kind of say to myself man this movie would just would have been a lot better if it was just straight up you know stunts very minimal cgi really really honed in more on the physicality but not so much within a cgi environment you know i I started thinking a lot to um the opening scene of something like uh casino royale where daniel craig has like that chase scene through the streets and next thing you know they're on top of the freaking crane above the city and fighting it's like that's you know all wire work stunt work um no cgi and i'm thinking to myself man if they could find a way how to utilize alicia vikander in this these tomb raider films in that way like really like maybe having i don't know like a fight scene, like on tree branches, crouching, tight, uh, crouching, uh, you know, tiger head and dragon style, whatever. <laughs> you know, I just started thinking to myself, like, th- this could be really great, and and mm-hmm. they could get there with the sequel. And I do believe that there is that potential. As is, um, this movie has a lot of flaws for me. I didn't hate it, but I also didn't love it either. So I very much am in the middle, but I am leaning a little bit negative. So that's where I land with the four out of ten rating. Fair oh, enough. And zero Oscar potential. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Alrighty. JC, where can I find you on the internet? You can find me over at Twitter, the Twitter at JC Aldridge. And Dan Howitt. 
You can find me on Twitter at HowitDK. You can also catch me on my main show, The Screeners Podcast. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Tomb Raider. You can subscribe to the Next Best Picture podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, SoundCloud, and on CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Nothing less than five stars is acceptable. Otherwise, you will have messed with the wrong family. I'm sorry. I just I just can't get some of the like, dreadful dialogue like, out of my head from this movie. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you all next time. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs.